not a vampire. <laughs> I really get any problems. Hello and welcome to The Watcher Files. We're your host, Clover. And your host, Kara. And today we're covering season two, episode 11, titled Ted. Ted. <laughs> Before we begin, we'd like to remind you all that we have a Kofi page if you want to give a one-time donation to support the podcast. Uh, any donations go to help paying our monthly subscription fee, help us update our equipment, or just anything that we use for the podcast. So if you want to, that is on our Instagram. If you want to click and donate, we would very much appreciate it, but don't feel obligated. <laughs> And help support my small business as well. Sewing unique handcrafted items by giving us a like and a follow on our Tusty Dusty store, Instagram, Facebook, or just check out the website at tustydusty.company.site. It's fall, so get all your witchy things from Kara. Yes, it's finally time for all the foils. Yay! <laughs> Puppy news. So, as most people probably know by the time that this gets put out, they have released an Audible series coming out um, for a continuation of Puppy. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I feel like because they kept shooting down the TV series and the, like, the reboot... And uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar isn't a part of it, but... Uh, she wouldn't have been part of the reboot either. Yeah, I she was think. making it very adamant that she wouldn't be a part of that yeah. So I'm very excited. I was not expecting a book series. I know, yeah. So it is a book series. Sorry for those who don't know. Audible's like a book series, but it has like an audioscape to it. I don't like it's an audiobook with cast members returning as their characters in the audiobook. So who's coming? Oh, we have a whole list. We have Anthony Head, Amber Vincent, James Marsters, Charisma Carpenter, Emma Caulfield Ford, Juliet Landau, Danny Strong, and James Charles Lear, who plays Clem. We needed more Clem. I needed so much more Clem. He's my favorite. <laughs> so the series is going to be titled The Slayers, and it is like a spike continuation. So I totally ripped this off exactly reading verbatim from EW.com. It states that the Slayer story begins as Spike has gone deep undercover in Los Angeles, convincing the forces of darkness that he's back to his evil ways. But when his cover is compromised by 16-year-old Indiria Noodley, Spike finds himself on a baby Slayer sitting duty one more. While he attempts to track down a watcher for his eager new protege, their paths collide with the veteran slayer of a parallel reality where Buffy Summers never existed and Cordelia Chase is the one and only slayer. And Cordelia needs Spike's help with a classic big bad terrorizing her world. His old flame, Drusilla. That is so, so cool. Yes. Yeah, and I think that it's really going to give Charisma Carpenter and Cordelia like the character continuation, I guess, that she really deserves since yeah. they did her so dirty on Angel. That's a good point. Oh, I'm so excited yeah. for that. Yeah, I'm really stoked. And oh, yeah, it is written by Amber Benson and Christopher Golden. And it's directed by Amber Benson, Golden, and Casey Whalen. That is so awesome. Yes, and it premieres October 12th, and fans can get a deeper look at the series at New York Comic Con panel on October 13th, if you are going to the New York Comic Con. I might just, like, 
can they live stream them? Is there something on the website you think? Do they do they, that for panels? They, I mean, you know how at C2E2 they had it recorded. I don't know if it was live though, but I mean, they might have. I wonder if they put it on YouTube. That's what I'm saying. They might post it later. So yeah, exciting. That is exciting. It's also cool because in the panel when we went to C2E2, Charisma Carpenter kind of mentioned like maybe being a voice actor. Yes. I totally did not expect it to be a book, audible series book. Yeah. I saw Juliet Landau too she posted it in one of the Buffy Facebook groups that she's like I've been so excited to talk about this like I know that all the the cast are super excited for it so like I feel like it's really cool that they're doing this continuation and it seems like without the influence of Joss Whedon that they're kind of excited for it so I don't know I'm excited yeah yeah I can't wait I'm definitely I might get audible just for this honestly I have well I have Josh's audible but yeah I'm stoked tune in in about a month for that This week, our Buffy birthdays. Last week, we missed Harry Groner, who plays Mary Wilkins. So happy belated birthday. And this week, we got Clea Duvall, who plays Marcy Ross. Happy birthday, guys. Short summary, Buffy's mom starts dating a gaslighting robot named Ted. (laughs) While Xander, Willow, and Joyce are all charmed by Ted, Buffy is immediately suspicious. Ted reacts harshly to Buffy's hesitations with threats of violence, and it takes a late-night argument and Ted's supposed murder for the gang to really determine Ted's secrets. How many trivia questions do you have? I have three, but I don't have to do them all. I have one. I mean, you go first in case I got the same one. Okay. So oh. name at least one of the four cooking methods Ted uses for his mini pizzas. Oh, yes. We did have the same question, but I won't look. Okay. Okay. So the secret is after you bake the pizzas, you in a cast iron skillet, fry it with herbs and oil. You're missing one more thing. Ooh, what else? Which, I mean, it is an herb, I guess, but it's garlic. Like, I think he made a note to say garlic, herbs, olive oil, and mustard. Oh, okay. I already know. I knew this. I cut this out because we're talking to you. I know you can't have (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a vampire. (laughs) I really can't eat garlic. Okay. What movie did Buffy and Joyce settle on watching at the end of the episode? Because they were going to have a movie night. (laughs) Um... It's not Swayze. I have no idea. Thelma and Louise. That's it. What is Swayze? Dirty Dancing. I kept... Oh, Patrick Swayze. Yeah, I was like, it's not a Swayze movie. It could have been, though. That does seem like a Joyce movie. Yeah. (laughs) All right, next question. What was the name of the tranquilizing chemical Ted had added to the food he cooked? Was it Demerol? Very close. Dermatrol? Demotorin. Damn it. I think, yeah, that, that's made up. So I, my first thought was Demerol, too. Oh, okay. Like, Demerol, no. No, that's a real... That is real. Demotorin's not real. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad you looked that up, because I was like, I've never heard of a no Demotorin. Right. Like, what the fuck is that? Yes, but... we'll get in a little bit about Demotorin later in the episode for our magic and more. Dope. I'm excited. Before we dive into the episode, we do just want to note some trigger warnings of child abuse and mentions of suicide. So the themes of child abuse are kind of throughout the episode, but there is a specific mention of suicide that I will trigger warning again before we start talking about it, if you guys want to try and like skip past it. But child abuse is kind of like a 
overall arching theme of the episode. So just take care of yourself if you're listening. And yeah, I would also argue domestic abuse trigger if that's like a trigger thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Domestic. So this episode starts with the main three, Buffy, Willow, Xander, walking at night. And Xander and Willow are arguing about the captain and Tennille. And Buffy is confused of what the fuck that is which i didn't know what it was either i didn't either i looked it up what was it it's a weekly tv series of the 70s where a husband and wife they're like a recording artist duo they did like yeah tv series oh my god i thought it was a band i didn't look it up that well okay i thought it was a band at first because it said recording artist but yeah they're like a tv show that's cute actually maybe i don't know i don't know anything about it other than that buffy does make the note that she's happy that things are kind of Calms and Spike and Drusilla have been more or less defeated for now. And also saying that she's liking or loving playing nurse with Angel. Then the three get to Buffy's house and they see that the door is unlocked and Buffy's, of course, immediately suspicious. She runs into the kitchen where she hears noises and finds Joyce kissing a man, just completely making out with them. And Joyce introduces the man as Ted. And then we are cued to the theme music. So we haven't seen Joyce in a while. She's back and causing a ruckus. (laughs) So Ted and Joyce are putting up the dishes in the kitchen. Buffy confronts Joyce about having a boyfriend and she tells him that he sells computer software and redid her system at the gallery, which is how they met. Ted and Willow are talking about the software, which Willow's totally geeking out over, and he offers her demos for free, and Xander gets really excited about Ted's pizza, which was the trivia question earlier. When they were talking about the software, it kind of, you wouldn't notice watching it the first time, but knowing that he's a robot, I feel like that's like your first little, when Willow makes that weird freaking noise when she gets so excited, he goes, what? Like, it's like, it seems like just like a what but like i feel like looking back at it it could be like i don't compute what the hell came out of your mouth oh. i don't know what that means <laughs> i just i'm watching so much i think you should leave it's like, what the hell like that him saying that gets stuck in my head but that's funny i need to hear that again <laughs> it is suggesting that willow and xander have already taken a liking to ted and so then ted tries to get buffy to warm up to him and she just really isn't super happy but kind of like feigns it just to like move the night along so to speak she's like no seriously it's fine i'm great and then it cues to her beating the fuck out of a vampire which i don't really like that this is their way to indicate that buffy's letting off steam like why so my issue with it is the fact that like her literal job is to slay vampires and vampires are supposed to be these like evil demons like who cares that she like beats them to a pulp so to speak before staking i don't know i guess that's arguable but you could also use it as an argument like prisoners like and they are like but we're not basically bad people so why treat them well because they're human right like and the prison system has problems demons are from hell which yeah okay it was a shitty example i feel like it was the closest there i think that they make a false equivalence we're not supposed to have sympathy for vampires we're only supposed to have sympathy for angel because he has a soul so like the fact that she's letting off steam on a vamp like Rather than her like beating up property, even or like you could argue that it, like it, rather than the self, the letting off steam, like beating him is a bad thing as like it leaves room for more risk. 
like, by prolonging the fight, yeah. you're kind of, like, putting yourself in a position to be vulnerable at some at some point. That, you are beating the shit out of them. Yeah, that's, like, the only thing I could really come up with is, like, okay, well, you're using more energy than you need to, but I just feel like they could, I don't know, I guess there's really no other funny. way to, like, show that Buffy's, like, going through it. I think it's funny when she's, like, training and beating on people, like, more, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. She's beating on Giles, that's what it's funny. Yeah. Giles is telling her to, like, tone it down, staking time, and Giles, like, after Buffy does eventually stake the vampire kind of presses to see what's going on she insists that she's fine she goes on to say that vampires are creeps but it's a definite metaphor for ted so she's complaining about ted under the ruse of vampires giles stops her and calls her out for her subtext becoming text but she still won't deliberately tell giles the issue So at school the next day, Xander is still going on about these mini pizzas and Buffy just still isn't sold on Ted. Willow sees that she can tell that Buffy doesn't really like Ted. Buffy says that he just seems a little too clean. So Willow and Xander suggest that she has separation anxiety from like, I guess her mom, like dating somebody new and Xander's kind of teasing her about it. But Buffy insists that there's something up with Ted. Then he like literally shows up at the school. (laughs) Is this the first time you think that Buffy kind of has just like an like she doesn't really have a reason for suspecting someone because I feel like she's always like something's up with this and the gang's always like every once in a while like oh you know what you're talking about I feel like you're just saying that or you're just feeling a certain way and then she's always freaking right the way I was looking at it because she did say she's like I have a sense for these things I don't like him mm-hmm. I would trust her even if because mm-hmm. like it's too much of a pressing like issue for her later on for sure I would trust yeah. her yeah like and- after the whole mini golf situation yeah but as of now i could definitely see being like you just don't like your stepdad but i didn't know if that was the first incident where they just didn't believe buffy but buffy was right yeah i feel like this marks the history the, the, the start the start the start of, not the history i guess so because i mean really with billy ford it was the other way around but i mean buffy was way more inclined to believe her friends she was just more mad at the deceit that they went about to like prove that they were right so just curious i'm like trying to go over season one was she weird about impata i don't I mean, no. I know. I feel like they they came together on that one. Miss French. It was Miss French. She was weird about Miss French. Oh, and they were kind of like, what? Well, Xander was like, you're just jealous, and it was that could be, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I was that was a good question because I had to really rack my brain. (laughs) Oh, and the puppet. She was really weird about the puppet. That's the one. That's what I was thinking. That is probably the the mark that I would say. Okay. She was like, everyone's like, dude, it's a dummy. Like, but she okay. was like, no, I'm getting a really weird vibe. Which, I mean, she ultimately was wrong in that instance. The puppet was alive. But he was alive. But he, he was in her evil. room attacking her. Yeah. <laughs> then Ted asks Buffy and the gang to mini golf. And she tries to decline, but Xander will not let her. Fuck Xander for this. Yes. Literally. I'm sorry, but like, I've been in situations where you like have this new mom's boyfriend and like you kind of feel like you have to like like him, but you don't want to like him. And then like your friend comes in and is 
just like, no, I'm going to force you into this situation that clearly makes you uncomfortable. Like, fuck you, Xander. Well, it's a manipulation tactic on Ted's part, too, because he knew he won over the favor of Willow and Xander. So asking in front of them and then Buffy being the one to be like, no, I don't want to do this. And the friends being like, oh, why not? Ted used that to his advantage. Oh, you're so right. Because he's a piece of shit. Xander's also a piece (laughs) of shit. And like, Willow did the smart thing by just like not saying anything because it's not her fucking like... Yes. invite in the same way. Giles comes in to talk to Jenny Callender, who we haven't seen since the dark age. And he's like, you have a delivery of textbooks. And she says she'll send her students to pick them up. And that it's a flimsy excuse for trying to see her. Giles just wants to check in on her. And she says that she could get used to staying out of mortal danger. And basically like says... She's, I mean, she apologizes later for being harsh, but I appreciate the way she phrased it is that Giles is making her feel bad that she doesn't feel better and she doesn't want the responsibility of having to care for Giles's feelings. Yeah. I can, I can a hundred percent understand that because it's really frustrating when you feel away and the other person is like feeling really bad that they've made you feel away. Yeah, they and just it's want like, you to be better and just, just to make themselves better. Yeah, and it's like you don't really have the energy to like comfort somebody else when you're dealing with your own shit. So like, I, I get that like it may have been harsh how she said it and like Giles does just was like, I shouldn't have bothered you, I'm sorry. I mean, she owns up to saying like she apologizes, but I don't really think that like she should have apologized. Enough, I don't know. I feel like she was a little bit of, I get it. I hear you. I agree. But on the other hand, I feel like it's been three weeks. You don't have to be a dick about I, Yeah, I mean, I feel like, harsh. I don't know. To me, I didn't see it as harsh. I saw her as stating how she was feeling. Yeah. And like, I mean, Jenny's just so like outright and like forthcoming. I appreciate her directness, but I can see how it can maybe come across as more harsh. I just think it's adorable, the cultural gap between (laughs) when you mentioned what Jenny was saying. She goes, you're coming around with me with puppy dog eyes, you know, and then you're not, you're making me feel bad for not feeling better. And he goes, I didn't, certainly didn't mean to give you dog eyes. Oh, Giles. Like, is that an American saying, puppy dog eyes? I think he was just being Giles about it, yeah. I didn't mean to give you dog eyes. (laughs) So we see Buffy nursing Angel's hand and she's bitching about Ted. And Angel is just kind of like, are you going to talk about anything else? I love that. <laughs> yeah, I kind of do too. Because he's like, dude, I can tell this is bothering you a lot. Like kind of being like, are you going to, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like you won't shut up. Yeah. And Angel says that, you know, her mom might need somebody. Buffy finally admits that she really just wants her parents mostly just to get back together but she's going to be the dutiful daughter and doesn't have to like him. She's like, I don't have to like him, do I? And Angel's like, just kiss me. Like, that was sweet. <laughs> I, I think their little interaction here was... I sweet. love their interaction. I also think it's really cute. Like, I connect with the fact that, like, Bobby's just venting, complaining about how things are affecting her life. And, like, that is a huge thing to affect your life. But then Angel comes in with, like, the wisdom of, like, well, you're not thinking about how it's affecting your mom's life. Yeah. And, like, clearly she's lonely and (laughs) kind of, like, yes, it affects you, but it's not solely your thing. You know, like, you gotta accept that. Except for he's fucking evil. (laughs) Except for he's evil. If he wasn't evil. It is one of those. (laughs) What he said was, like, go Angel. I would have been apprehensive, too, for somebody who's like, oh, let me just barge into your life. Like, it's super stressful. He's super fake, too. Yeah, which we're about to get into with the putt-putt scene anyway. So this is, like, when things really start to come into a head. Or I guess you can tell that what he's saying is fake. Yeah. But at the time, he sounds like the perfect stepdad. But it's annoying. You're just like, ew. Well, also, like, 
Buffy doesn't want a stepdad. Yeah. So like you can date somebody and not take on a role that the other person doesn't oh, necessarily man. want or need. So it's not like she's six years old. Right. You know, she like, need a dad yeah. Like but the three are at putt putt with Joyce and Ted, and Ted asks her about seeing someone, and Willow's like, oh, she's, and then like kind of cuts off, and she's like, she's interested in studying. <laughs> and then that's when Ted's like, oh, well, yeah, you need to get your grades up. And Buffy, I mean, rightfully is like, why are you talking about my grades to this guy? And who the fuck is he to have any sort of like claim to like what she needs to do? Like, I don't At know. At yeah. point in time, as like a first date. First yes. met you, yeah. Like, let's bring up some problems. And fucking Joyce is like, oh yeah, I told him. Like, okay, but you can tell him, of course. Like, her being a concerned parent is one thing, but him intervening is the problem. So early on, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. yeah that's that's where the concern is. So then Buffy has like a bad hit with the putt putt, and Joyce is like, oh, don't count it, like whatever. And Ted's like, no, they need to because that's the rules. It's just an awkward, like, thing to say. I'm totally a Ted. When it comes to mini golf, I'm like, me and my mom were playing mini golf on our main trip. And I was like, she's like, oh, we won't count it. I was like, you're writing down eight. I swear, write down eight. I get a little, like, neurotic about, like, games like that, too. But I mean, I don't have, like, a goal. I'm not like, I gotta get to 50. Or so, like, I can't go above this, but... You better write that shit down. If we suck, we suck. We are writing it down. That's so Then Buffy goes to get the ball and puts it in the hole, being like, I got a hole in two. And Ted just kind of shows up like he followed her, essentially, and starts lecturing her, stating right is right and wrong is wrong. And he's not wired that way and starts hitting himself repeatedly with the golf club like not in the face but like he's like tapping his leg in a really oh, strange like, way even then he's still yeah it's the jarring. Shit out of his leg. yeah so and buffy is like what the fuck and then he like threatens essentially to slap her if she doesn't like straighten up and everyone shows up behind them and he just immediately is like oh would you guys like some cookies and it just leaves Buffy fucking speechless to be so like whipped around it left me speechless honestly like I can't imagine being in that position what would you do what would you say because you were not expecting that to even happen yeah yeah especially from someone like you already had a bad vibe about like and for them to just be like so outwardly terrible and then go to your friends and act like everything's fine like that is a complete like knowing this person's gonna be in your life for like oh i hate it So the next morning, Joyce offers Buffy some food that Ted had made and scolds Buffy about her attitude towards Ted because Buffy doesn't want to eat the food. She's like, uh, I'm good. And at the end of mini golf, he was even like, take all these cookies home. Oh, like, I yeah. need more. So he's just continuously feeding, feeding them, them this sprinkle yeah joyce like while talking about how buffy just needs to get over the issue with ted she like admits that she loves him and buffy's like what are you talking like you love him and she's like well i haven't really talked about it but yeah and then buffy's like okay well he threatened me and joyce just doesn't fucking believe her i can't believe she doesn't believe her like i like he clearly 
Lizzie tried to get his side out first. So why would you not believe your daughter? Like, I know she's being dramatic, like a little dramatic sometimes, but like, you really think she would lie about him saying to slap her? The thing is that she was never necessarily being dramatic. She was just not being outgoing in the situation. Or happy about it. Yeah, and like, there's a difference between like passively agreeing and then just being like, no, I'm locking myself in my room and I'm never talking to you or like, That's true. She hasn't she, really been dramatic yet. I guess I was more so referring to it later on. Later, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. No, and then that's when Joyce is like, oh, it's because he caught you cheating. Like you said, like he got rushed to tell Joyce so that he has control of the narrative. It like, made it sound super like playful. Like, yeah. that's, I don't know. And then it, Joyce is like, well, he didn't tell anyone. So then obviously, why is Buffy bringing it up if he didn't tell anybody? You know what I mean? It's not like he was like, Buffy was cheating everyone. And it's, oh, well, he hit me or threatened to hit me. Like, he yeah. didn't say that. Like, he just told Joyce privately. And then, like, she's just a fucking idiot. Like, I just, if, just, if my kid told me that the person I was dating was going to slap them, like, end then and there. Not even end then and there. I'd probably, like, beat the shit out of them and then end then and there. But, like, I would believe my child. It just sucks because Joyce has no fucking faith in Buffy. Yeah, so, like, she thinks she's a delinquent anyway. Well, then she's being, like, doped up. So, I mean, like, that. Yeah. So, because, like, <laughs> Buffy walks out and Joyce just continues eating the food, being like, this is so good. I guess like, if you are kind of just, like, rushed with all that dopamine, you, it would be easy to ignore the bad thoughts and just focus on good shit anyways. Yeah. So, it's just, bleh. I don't like it. I don't like it. So, then Buffy asks Willow to check Ted out because she doesn't trust him and as they're talking Xander kind of sees Cordelia and is like hey nice outfit and Cordelia is like what the fuck and he's like what a nice outfit and then Xander follows her off and she's like we can't be friends like you can't say stuff like that to me your friends don't need to know my friends don't need to know everyone's gonna know if you keep talking to me like this and he was like no no they're not gonna find out do you want to go make out and she's like yeah (laughs) so then they resume their all you think about yeah let's do it yeah they resume their secret little affair and buffy and willow continue talking buffy insisting that her mom has been different and stefferty referencing the stefford wives which that was remade in the early 2000s. Right? Nicole Kidman. Yes. I've I never seen, saw the original. I've seen the one with Nicole Kidman. But yeah, that she's acting really like Stephardy, like, they like robotic or something. Like, what? They are actually. Yeah. Well, they, they, they get like, like a chip. I'm pretty sure they get a chip and they get like all this, but they're turning them into the perfect life. I don't remember how the process was. Okay. Yeah. So she's acting like that manipulated is I guess what she's trying to allude to. And since Ted's been around, she's been acting like that. So she asks Willow to find out where he works. I love Willow. Even though she's been like, oh, yeah, yay, Ted, you know, she's just so quick to be like, of course I'm going to help you. Yeah, she's actually being a fucking supportive friend, unlike Xander, who is not. (laughs) Buffy shows up at Ted's work. He's on the phone at Ball Center. He's like a salesman. He's in front of a computer. She hides to where he can't see her. And then he gets up and leaves. So Buffy takes that opportunity to kind of snoop and tells somebody who talks to her that she's a temp and looks looks at the like sales record because they have it all written up in a dry erase their record is a tally yeah (laughs) yeah but she sees that ted seems like the salesman to beat the guy that she's talking to named neil calls him a machine machine the machine And mentions that Ted and his girlfriend are getting married soon and the date is set from two months from now. 
And Buffy is like, what? You know, like, the girlfriend's my mother. What do you mean, wedding? That would be so crazy. Ew. Buffy soups to Ted's desk, looks at the photo of Joyce on her desk, and notices that it's supposed to be a photo of Buffy and Joyce, but he has folded Buffy's face over for Joyce only to fit. Yikes, I guess. Which, I mean, like, yeah, I guess that is weird. It's not like she's cut off, but... It definitely is a little weird. He could have just gotten a picture of Joyce or a picture of Joyce, but instead he was like, fuck Buffy. Yeah. Holding her out of yeah. it. More symbolic. Yeah, I would mean, for sure. Trigger warning mentions of suicide, if you can, maybe pass by this scene. So at dinner that night, Ted is praying before they eat, and Ted and Joyce are trying to talk to Buffy. She's being incredibly dismissive, finally asks Joyce and Ted if they're engaged. Joyce is like, no, like, had no clue, but Ted plays it off, and he's like, well, eventually I would like to, like, not... St- I'm- like, everything, every word that he said was perfectly curated. Yeah. moment, it's disgusting. Yeah. So then Buffy says she feels like killing herself and asks to be excused. And Joyce is just like, you can go to your room, young lady. And she apologizes to Ted, like Joyce apologizes to Ted for Buffy's attitude. And he's positive about it, insisting that she'll turn around. But like, I mean, I don't really know. We didn't really see Buffy during the divorce. So maybe she is this dramatic when she's in like, those are some fucking intense words for your kid to say at a dinner table. I don't know. I feel like Joyce is just handling this so poorly absolutely i mean especially if your child is going to go to that extreme of saying something like that clearly things need to be reevaluated because you're not just saying that hopefully not just to say it like again like the petulance here i mean there's a there's an air of petulance to it no offense to buffy like she's a teenager teenagers act out but like it makes me wonder like how buffy was when hank and joyce were getting a divorce you know like if she acted this way I don't want to say that she's being 100% like over the top though by saying that because I think that given the circumstances if that was real I can imagine that really being a thought that you would have an abusive stepfather coming in that everyone just thinks is perfect but it's clearly targeting you and making your life miserable like I can imagine that yeah which is again I think part of Ted's manipulation tactic like under his breath make Buffy seem like the crazy one when she's acting out because he's being so perfect why on earth would she act out yes I still do wonder though like during the previous years how Buffy reacted and if like Joyce just if that has an influence over Joyce's reaction yeah yeah so that's just the only thing not saying it's not point of I mean perspective I didn't really think about that yeah not saying it's not warranted at all I'm just saying that like it just makes me wonder there could be a reason why she's not taking her so seriously that and the drugs but (laughs) yeah yeah, I keep failing to mention that Buffy leaves. Joyce sends her to her room, but Buffy just kind of sneaks out and she's sitting at the park on the swing being like, come on, vampire, show up. Like, she really wants to fucking slay something. Well, we'll get some vampires. Yeah. And as she sneaks back in, Ted is sitting in her bedroom saying, you know, you were told to go to your room. He snooped through her stuff, reads over her diary and says, what the fuck is a vampire slayer? Calls her delusional and says that he'll show Joyce the diary unless she listens to him. Threatens her. A mental hospital, essentially, which going to normal again in 
season six. I know. Yeah. And it's just wild knowing that, like, that would be such an intense threat because she has been in a mental hospital prior to this. Yeah. Like, yeah. We don't know that until much later. Right. Yeah. Like, which I wonder, has Joyce told Ted that? Oh, I mean, it's very likely. Yeah. She clearly is an oversharer. Which, I mean, when you're doped up like that, it's the drugs. Yeah. Sort of. And But Joyce is probably just lonely. He tells Ted to give her the diary back and he hits her and she's like, fucking finally. Like, she's ready to throw down. Literally. And, yeah. Don't you have those moments where you're like, just fucking say something or just fucking <laughs> <laughs> Just wait. Yeah. So they start fighting and she ends up throwing him down the stairs. Joyce is woken up by this point, goes down and sees Ted's body and informs Bucky. Oh, sees Bucky beating the shit out of him. Yeah. Not Ted at yeah. all doing anything, of course. Yeah. I will. It looks like for like a split second, but she probably wasn't processing that he was hitting her. But yeah, like Joyce basically saw that Buffy was hitting Ted. And when she finds his body down the stairs, Joyce tells Buffy that she killed Ted. And this is when the fucking pacing of this episode just gets so weird. Like, I don't, I don't know. So they put Ted in a body bag. They take him off. The cops are talking to Joyce and she like is kind of covering for Buffy. She's like, oh, he fell. He fell. But Buffy like admits that she's like, I hit him. I hit him and he fell down. So then she's taken to the station and is being interrogated by a detective asking her what happened. She says that, you know, he hit her first and the detective is like, well, it doesn't look like you got hit very hard. And she's like, I don't bruise easily. Like he does not really buy the story, I guess is the easiest way to put it. But then they let her go and say that they aren't charging her with anything yet. So it's weird. It sucks because it's like, you should believe her. I mean, he's a man and she's a like t- small, teenage young teenage girl. Like, you would imagine that, I don't know, I mean, like, yeah, you don't have a bruise, but she kind of does incriminate herself by being like, I don't bruise easy. And he's like, have you been in a fight before? Yeah. And she's like, I mean, yes. And then like, looking into her history it would look like that. But, I don't know. You'd think that they would just be like, well, <laughs> young teenage girl versus... Oh, yeah. Falling down the stairs. Anyone could do that. Anyone could push someone down the stairs. Buffy ends up going to school the next day and Xander and Willow are like, what the fuck are you doing there? I was too. I was like, why is she at school? And she's like, I can't stay at home. Like her mom won't talk to her. Then, you know, they're like, so what was he? Was he a demon? Was he a creature? And Buffy was like, no, he was human. And I killed well, him. Well, it seems like everyone else at school has heard about it too. Yeah. Because I guess they think he's human. So it's like a news story. Rather oh, than yeah. Like, yeah. Cause he like, kills demons all the time. No one gives a shit. Willow and Xander like essentially know already. And it's probably not from Buffy. Like, like it, yeah, like it was on the news. And she admits that she killed him. Willow's like, don't say that. They try to like make her feel better, but Buffy's just not having it, which obviously like there's a lot of emotions there. Giles sees her and asks if she's all right and tells her if she needs anything to just ask. But there are detectives in the library and Giles is like, well, they're asking questions about you. So they're following up on if they think Buffy did this. Xander insists that Ted was dirty and immediately has Willow and Cordelia looking into it. He's like, okay, clearly something's up. Like Buffy wouldn't just kill somebody body just to fucking kill him so let's figure it out Cordelia was like shouldn't there be special rules for Buffy it's like and Willow was like not in, in a fascist society yeah and she's like well why can't we just live in one of the 
I know, I love Cordelia. <laughs> so silly. So Giles says it's going to be hard to process, and Cordelia reminds Giles of the blood on his hands, because she's like, oh yeah, because you've killed people before. So nonchalant. Like, like, yeah, like, remember when you... Like, killed that guy that one time, and Giles is like, thanks for bringing that up. Like, <laughs> Any fucking chance you get. Yeah, still dealing with the consequences of that. They're looking through Ted's shit, and that's when Xander grabs, like, a cookie that Ted had made and starts eating it. So then Giles is like, okay, well, I'm going to go patrol alone tonight night and they're like what the fuck are you doing don't do that like it's not safe and he's like well someone's got to willow's like ted has no criminal record and then all of a sudden xander's like don't worry about it he just gets this like weird attitude about him and that's when willow like kind of looks at him takes the cookie he was eating and kind of attributes it to the the drastic change yeah well attitude. she's like no she's kind of like shaking it in front of her face yeah. like it's all gonna be yeah. good and she's like all right clearly what, that's the common denominator. yeah what the so buffy tries to talk to joyce joyce says she can't do it like she's still not ready to talk about it we go back to fucking scientist willow just like analyzing the cookies right <laughs> yeah like with a fucking microscope like you just know chemical compounds of every single like chemical out there to where you're like i'm pretty sure this is dematorin yeah? which i mean like i guess what you would do is just like look at the compounds in the cookies but to know what's like is this the butter is this the sh- like how the fuck are you gonna like yeah I this, this is not I easy know. shit i mean it might be but like do you know what a cookie looks like under a microscope and then therefore what does an abnormal cookie or a laced cookie look like under a microscope you know like i don't know yeah i have no idea how that's <laughs> you look under it and be like yep there's weed in there <laughs> so dimitorin is a drug that keeps a person mellow and compliant and cordelia walks in with the information on ted and his address So we see Giles patrolling. Ginny sneaks up on him, saying that she wants to apologize for her directness earlier. And she said that she was just not acting politely, which I would disagree. I would say you don't need to apologize, but whatever. That's when a vampire shows up behind her, ironically, while she said she knew he felt bad that he was putting her in danger. And he's like, well, now you're in danger because there's a fucking vampire behind you. So I love this. He's like, God, I feel horrible now. (laughs) Which, I mean, like, you know the consequences of hanging out at the fucking cemetery. Like, what do you think he was doing at night in the cemetery? So, okay. We go back to Buffy, so we're going to get a, a lot of, like, Buffy flash Giles and Jenny, so it might be a little weird for a second. But Buffy goes to take off and notices that the window is nailed shut. So she was going to sneak out and patrol or do whatever. And she's like, are you fucking kidding? She's talking out loud. She's like, this day can't get any worse. That's when Ted literally shows up because she thought that Joyce had nailed the window shut, but it was fucking Ted. And she was like, died. What? And he was like, are you sorry? I'm glad you said that because for a second I was thinking, why doesn't Joyce just keep her window nailed shut? Like she's constantly sneaking out but Ted is the only one that knows that at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So Ted's like, I'm a good salesman and I always bounce back. And it's just like beating the fuck out of Buffy. Like just starts smacking her around the room. So we're flashed back to Giles. He's fighting the vampire that's attacked him and Jenny. Jenny grabs the crossbow, like trying to help him, which why the fuck would you grab the like long range, like aiming weapon? I never understand why people go for the crossbow. It seems like a overly complicated one-shot weapon but that if you're not proficient with maybe don't literally like i mean every person that touches it shoots it off into something they're not supposed to yeah (laughs) it's like the buffy's crossbow instead of like chekhov's gun which that's if the gun is in the first act it must go off in the second of a play no but more like if the crossbow is present then someone's gonna shoot it off 
poorly. Right. It's yeah. really it's redone. Ted tells Buffy he had to shut down for a while. So now the, the robot thing is getting layered on thick. <laughs> and back to Jenny she and Giles, she shoots, misses. The crossbow goes into Giles, which props to fucking Giles for just pulling the damn thing out and staking the fucking beer. Right. That's it. badass. Like, that would hurt yeah. like a bitch. You know that that's not like going to be a fun time to have to pull that fucking thing out and then have the like gumption to be like now i gotta plunge it into a fucking vampire and he doesn't have slayer strength so it's like plunging you know what i mean like good for giles back to buffy is being choked by ted and she stabs him with a nail filer and then it reveals skin missing and that he's actually mechanical he starts to glitch i love the salesman comment that they make because like you know later when they're like in the dream of season four maybe the restless season, yes of restless so the whole like i'm looking for a man you know Salesman. You know, I just picture Ted just like me. The salesman always bounce back. I would have been a good opportunity for them to bring John Ritter back. He was probably too expensive by that point, but well, I mean, he was already famous. He was a pretty predominant actor. We'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah. So Willow and Xander are going through Ted's stuff, saying that he's been married several times, so they do kind of notice that that's a little off. Cordelia says it looks like no one has lived in his house in ages, and that the rug doesn't go with the decor, so they kind of take a look at that, they notice it, and then pull the rug up, revealing a hidden entrance to a basement so back to the summer's home ted reveals himself to joy saying that it's a miracle that he's still alive and gives a story that he had been legally dead but came back and in the morgue which is a pretty good believable story as far as like i'm back you know what else are you gonna say yeah i'm gonna be like you remember what happened like i don't know it'd be weird so joyce is happy starts to apologize for buffy and ted's like don't worry daddy's here ew yeah literally in my notes it says Cordelia, Willow, and Xander go down to the hidden basement and the decor is like super outdated in there. It looks like it's from like the 50s. Very Norman Bates style in my opinion. Oh, is that American? No, Psycho. American Psycho. No, American Psycho. It's just Psycho. It's just Psycho. Yeah, American Psycho is Christian Bale. That's it. Yeah, Psycho. No, you're right, you're right. That's, yeah. And then they have the TV show. The Bates Motel. I haven't seen that one. I used to get that in Twin Peaks mixed up, fun fact. Oh, I've never seen Twin Peaks. I watched the first season and then I Googled why do people like Twin Peaks? Because I did not understand. You hated it. I didn't hate it. I just didn't get it. Like I didn't mm. get like what was monumental about it. But apparently it was one of the first shows to really integrate genres as it did. So it had this like slice of life mixed with like the mystery. Like it had like an mm. integration of different types of like entertainment that people thought was like really unique. And it's David Lynch and people love David Lynch. And like I have respect for Twin Peaks I would watch it again and then I had to google who killed Laura Palmer because like I just I couldn't wait (laughs) I was like I can't and apparently they never even wanted to reveal it and they were like the network was like, you have to say who fucking killed her. Like, you can't just not, like... <laughs> You're gonna piss a whole lot of people yeah. off. <laughs> so, in case, like, there's probably way more Twin Peaks fans listening that are, like, offended by me. But I do have appreciation for Twin... It is Twin Peaks, right? I don't know. That's what you're talking about. We were talking about it, There's yeah. a restaurant called Twin Peaks. And really? It's, yeah, it's like a Hooters, like, people's boobs are out. Oh my god, are you it's serious? Twin Peaks. Oh my god, Yeah, funny. they're building one here. We went to one in San Antonio. No, and, like, they are. Oh my god. They are. Like, they wear, like 
really skimpy outfits, and my dad and I were like, "What is going on?" Is it what they did Hooters look? Do they have to wear the pants? It's like later Hosen almost. I don't know. <laughs> I derailed so much. I'm so. I know, sorry. right? We're like Hooters. <laughs> we went from fucking American Psych. Well, we went from Psycho, Psycho. to Twin Peaks. That's so funny. So Ted and Joyce are talking and Joyce says that she wants to talk to Buffy first before all of this because as one would and Ted starts glitching when like first he cuts Joyce off saying like not to worry or whatever and then he just starts glitching while he's talking to her. (laughs) Really fucking weird. Joyce is like maybe you need to take a rest like. I mean, obviously... You, you can know, tell she starts to, like, pick up that something is fucking weird with this guy. Well, I mean, like, he has brain damage. Yeah. He was dead, and now he's awake, and now he has brain damage. Like, well, he's being very possessive, too. Like, you know, grabbing her kind of yeah. hard, not letting her get away. And she starts to be like, I'm gonna go pack so we can go away together. And, like, yeah. literally, you can tell she's having a like, shit to be like, get the hell away from me! Yes. and he tells her he does not take orders from women. So, like, that... And fuck your programmer, kid. <laughs> Original Ted. Original Ted, the OT... Jenny tells Giles that they need to get to the hospital because he's been stabbed by a crossbow. And she laughs as they walk together, saying he really knows how to woo a girl back. <laughs> Poor Giles is like, do you forgive me now? Like, <laughs> you can stop being weird. He's I mean, you have to shoot him with a crossbow. crossbow. Yeah, for real. But obviously by the end of the episode... He is forgiven. <laughs> yeah, Buffy, like, wakes up. Yeah, well, Joyce is telling Ted she could use a drink. So Ted says that they need to leave now. He has everything and that they're just husband and wife. So, like, it's super fucking weird. Joyce is trying to get the fuck out of there and not deal with Ted. She's like, get off of me. That's when Ted shoves her and goes to hunt for Buffy and that he won't stand for it in her house. Yeah, this type of malarkey. In his house, sorry. Stand for this malarkey in my house. <laughs> so Buffy comes up, slaps him, and she's like, it's my house. She whacks him with a cast iron yeah. skillet. He's all, it makes a difference. Bitch, it does make a difference. Yeah, yeah. Whack your face off. Nice. I didn't catch that little, like, callback Yeah. that. She took his skin off, revealing that he's just a complete fucking robot. And she smacks him again, and not very well built. He just kind of shuts off. Like, he's like, okay, I'm out. Like, like, he's whacked once, and he's like, ah. <laughs> Ted's done. Joyce and Buffy are sitting on the patio and Joyce asks if she wants to rent a movie. Buffy's like, yeah, I just don't want to watch anything with horror, romance, or men. And Joyce is like, well, guess it's Thelma and Louise again. But she's still, like, really worried because the story was that he escaped. You know, it wasn't that he was a robot. Buffy didn't inform her of that. Oh, yeah, because Xander, they found the... Have we gotten to this part? It's after this. Oh, okay. Yeah. They reveal everything at the very end. But basically what Buffy told Joyce, well, she's like, he's at the scrap heap. And Joyce is like, what? She's like, he's not going to bother us anymore. So Joyce doesn't realize that he's been deconstructed. But I thought that she did realize that he was a killer and that they found all his wives. So Xander then found the bodies of his four wives in the bunker Oh, then, I oh, I we like started. Saying. We got derailed, I think, with the Twin Peaks thing, and we glossed over the fact that I'm sorry. they found his four wives in the closet of yes. the underground bunker. Yeah, and they were like, "We got to repeat." Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you meant about the reveal of like who Ted was. My mistake. So yeah, when. Xander, Cordelia, and Willow were in Ted's home. They found the previous wife. So, like, yes. he was a murderer. That's what the, the story that Joyce believes. Yeah, Is that he was a psycho killer, not a robot. Though. Which is totally, like, that's all yeah. she needs to 
no. I mean, honestly, and honestly, it's kind of fucked up that she even knows that. That'd be really hard to, like, continue dating. And to just ignore your daughter's, like, warning signs that something was wrong, which I hope that they did tell Joyce that she was being drugged, because I think I'd feel better being like, why was I so fucking complacent? Right. Like, Like, how might not have known? Hopefully, Willow would have told her. Hopefully, they would have told her, but that could have been a detail that got glossed over, but you're so right. It would definitely feel better being like, well, these holes are drugged up. Yeah! So... School the next day is when Xander says that Ted was a man who built a robot of himself to keep finding the same woman over and over again and essentially keep murdering her. Which, like, if he was rebuilt from, like, four isn't that bad. You feel like you'd have a higher body count. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, thinking about how, because they kidnap each wife, and then they live in this underground bunker until the human die, and the robot is still, like, they don't have a lifespan, you know? So that's a really long time, I would imagine. I mean, assuming that they're, like, I mean, he cooks a lot, so assuming they're feeding you, you know, keeping you alive, keeping you complacent. You're there for fucking 80 years. But does he kill them because they get old and not, like, look good? That was what I was assuming, but that doesn't mean that, that, I don't know. They just kind of said that, like, they lived their life out. All right. Because they found the bodies, not the bones. So, like, to me, that says... Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, the level of decomposition is, like, okay. So, Willow insists that the real Ted was actually a genius. And Buffy says Willow is using her powers for evil. And that Willow's like, I just want to learn, which foreshadowing, foreshadowing, foreshadowing to Willow's darker side with magic. Because she's just too inquisitive to the point where she is using powers for... For evil. You could also say that it's like would help her in the future though with the Buffy bot like reconstructing it during the sixth season. Yeah, season. I just like that whole quip about like I'm totally foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah, like this is there is like a component to Willow that like she's like Entrapta from Shira. You know what I mean? Like she just gets yes too focused on the the underworking rather than like that's a good comparison. Yeah, she, she is like Entrapta. They walk into the library where Jenny and Giles are kissing, and Buffy walks off pissed. She's like, are are you fucking kidding me? Like, she's so tired More of seeing adults. adults make out. Yeah, making out. And that's Ted. This episode was written by David Greenwalt and Joss Whedon and directed by Bruce Seth Green. So we have a few guest stars. All right. This week, guest actors. We got Ted, played by John Ritter. Rest in peace, John Ritter. You know. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2003 at age 54. He had a massive heart attack, didn't he? I believe so. Yeah. But he was a well-known actor as well as writer and producer. He's best known for his role in Three's Company and Eight's Eight's Rules. And by eight became an asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> I tried capitalizing that one. But I watched Eight Simple Rules. I did too. I really liked the the chicken in it. That the one she like She's does play Billy and Charm. Yeah. yeah. So he's also known for Bride of Chucky. Oh. Well, Bride of Chucky. He plays like the overprotective dad. He's in Bad Santa and Clifford the Big Red Dog. Aww. Is he the voice of Clifford? Yeah, he is. That's so sweet. So some of the productions, a few were actually released after he died, which was the Clifford's really big movie, and Stanley's Dinosaur Roundup, and then a character named Eugene Grandy on King of the Hill. He had four episodes that they released. Oh, really? I haven't seen enough King of the Hill to, like, point that out, but I like King of the Hill. It's a funny show. Yeah, it's okay. It's 
I feel like I've grown to appreciate it more as an adult. I like it more now that I'm older, for sure. It like, was definitely one of those my dad would watch, and I'm like, I don't understand this humor. Well, living in Texas, too, like, some of the, like, jokes they make, we were like, huh? Like, I don't know, like, you just, yeah. we, we picked up on some stuff that I thought, like, was really funny, too. I don't know. Oh, it is in Texas. Yeah, right? yeah. Our next guest actor is the detective, played by James McDonald. He actually starred in All My Children along with Sarah Michelle Gellar and as well as Touched by an Angel that John Ritter was also in. Hmm. Kind of like an interesting coincidence. Have you ever seen All My Children? Yeah, a little bit. Really? My mom and I used to watch a lot of General Hospital, though. Like, we didn't watch as much All My Children. I've never heard of, or I've never seen it, so I've never, like, been able to watch it. But I know that, like, Sarah Michelle Gellar plays, like, the villain at some point. It's on my to-watch list. It's a lot to watch. <laughs> I know, right? McDonald has been in 97 titles, including Texas Chainsaw, pops up in American Horror Story Apocalypse as The Horn. I tried figuring out who the hell that was, but I'm pretty sure that it's, like, the trailer for that season, how they do the teasers and stuff. True Detective, and he's also a writer, producer, and director. You mentioned who was Neil, because I saw him on the cast directing, and I heard you say his name earlier. He was the guy who was talking to Buffy when she was Belinda. Oh, okay. The works in the office yeah. with Ted. So Neil is played by Ken Thoroughly. He is known for being in Men in Black and Star Trek The Next Generation. And then our vampires for this episode, Vampire One, played by Jeff Langdon. He's a stunt performer, also known for Street Fighter, Roadhouse, and Rambo 3. Nice. And our Swayze. second vampire, Swayze, I knew he was going to pop up at some point. And then our vampire number two is played by Jeff Pruitt, who coincidentally also plays a stunt performer on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So he plays where Sophia Crawford, who plays Sarah Michelle Gellar's stunt double, also played the Pink Power Rangers in Mighty Morphin. Nice. Cool little connections. Yeah. I did read that apparently this is one of Allison Hannigan's favorite episodes. Really? Yeah, I didn't she, read that. Yeah, she really enjoyed working with John Ritter. Oh, cool. Yeah, apparently he was just a, like a sweet man to work with. Not That's cute anymore, because yeah. like I've always heard good things about John Ritter, yeah. but like I've only known him in a few things. None of them were like, oh my god, I yeah, he's my favorite. I mean, he's great. He's a great actor, but yeah, I also read that him being like a good cook was like a homage to his character in Three's Company. Really, he did a lot of cooking. Yeah. So let's talk about robots. Beep boop bop beep beep. Robots, baby AI. So the first real robot can be accredited to Da Vinci in 1455. I thought that was really cool. That that he so had cool. an idea for like a mechanical man. So it's been around for a lot longer than just like science fiction. I think Da Vinci is working with the aliens, man. Doing oh. something. <laughs> they just had a lot more fucking time back in the day. <laughs> more so. It fucking pisses me off when people are like, oh, I was a philosopher. I lounged in the early hours. Contemplated then, life. Yeah, like, meanings. I could think of some crazy fucking wild shit, too, if you gave me six hours to lay around in bed. Like, fuck, man. Okay, anyway. Robota is a Czech word meaning forced labor, and the first time the word robot appeared was in a 1921 Czechoslovakian play called R.U.R. Universal Robots. Robot Robots in pop culture are frequently considered antagonists. The word first appeared, like I said, in that play. The first time a robot was in a movie was in The Automation, 
where a robot called Q was the antagonist in the 1919 Harry Houdini film. And then the 1940s short story, I, Robot, stated three laws of robotics. A robot may not injure a human being. A robot must obey orders given by a human being. And a robot must protect its own existence. So obviously these rules are frequently broken throughout depictions of robots in media and more contemporary in the 1980s brought in the Terminator where he's killing all kinds of motherfuckers as a robot. Have you ever seen the Terminator? Yes. I've not seen the first one. I've seen the second one. I've seen the first one the second one a lot more, but I know that I've seen both. He's a good guy in the second one, right? Because like, yeah, he's like not a good guy in the first one. Yes. And then like he goes back into the future, gets reprogrammed and to protect the kid. Yeah, I've seen the second one. So even more contemporary examples of humanoid, specifically humanoid robots, because you can get like like Wally was a robot, but I'm more focused on like the human aspects because Ted looks like a human being. Include Westworld. Have you ever seen Westworld? No, but I freaking love Evan Rachel Wood. That's the only reason. Oh why yeah, I she's in it. And the Hot McPoyle. Who's it? The Hot McPoyle from It's Always Sunny. <laughs> the Hot McPoyle. Oh, God. Josh and Patrick get so mad that I call him the Hot McPoyle. <laughs> They're like, there is not a Hot McPoyle. The less slimy one. It's a robot-centric show. Avengers 2, Rise of Ultron, which was directed by Joss Whedon. Ultron himself is very robotic, but Jarvis, which is like the AI that Paul Bettany, the guy, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-mm. Oh my gosh. Okay. Have you seen Avengers? The first one. Just the first one? Yes. It's like Tony Stark's like AI assistant. Okay. He takes on a hu- like a more humanoid form. He's red, but like he's a robot. Okay. So, and then Ultron is also a robot. Neither of them are as humanoid as, like, say, Ted, but I do think it's interesting because Joss Whedon directed Avengers and Avengers 2, so throwing it back in there. So, themes of robot takeover is the typical, like, fear that happens in robot-centric things. Always. Or, like, the uncanny valley. So, robots taking over humans is more in line with, like, Ultron, like, that kind of premise, while the uncanny valley aspect or like robots depicting being depicted as slightly off looking. So it's uncanny. Like they're human, but they're, do you know what the uncanny valley is? I'm assuming they look kind of like an iRobot-esque because you're saying like humanoid, but not like that's human. No. So uncanny valley, it's not, it's less specific to robots and more specific to like, like the Polar Express has uncanny valley features. So it's when something looks like like animated too, too human and less cartoony to where it's creepy. It's, okay. It becomes, un, it's in a, an actual valley. It's like depicted as a graph. Like it's in a threshold of like, it's now too human, but it's not. So it's creepy and it's not cute. Okay. So like, <laughs> the movements are slightly off of humans. It's like stop motion gives a lot of people like an uncanny feeling. Okay. The movements are yeah. So, like, I mean, everything you're describing right now is basically, basically what AI technology is doing. Like, so if you look at like, this is like more common in like digitally altered actors are slightly creepy. Yes. yes. But it's not necessarily robots because it's like this is more it's not pop it's popular culture but it's not like media i guess i should say but like if you look at like real examples of robots the uncanny valley is there because they can't quite grasp at human essence but they're not cute so they're just they're just off okay. <laughs> they people yeah. out which like stop motion actually calms me i don't know like <laughs> i like rigid movements i like old films because i like when things are like twitchy like i don't know why that like motion is like visually <laughs> like stimulating in a good way i don't know man like more like i said more real robots have this effect so i just thought it was interesting like we don't get we get more of the science fiction part of buffy in this episode and 
while it's cool, like we don't, I like talking about the robots and all that stuff. I don't really love talking about this episode, but right. that part was cool. I do like the, how they're like, oh, the supernatural big bad has been destroyed very like we think. And so now we can move on to something more realistic, like right after. Yeah. Smile line part two. Yeah. Can I ask, um, did you look at a dollhouse at all? Is that technically robots? No, dollhouse is not robots. It's an uploading and transference of consciousness. So in the dollhouse, they're real people. They become blank slates in order to, like, they're basically hired. So in dollhouse, the characters either willingly or unwillingly agree to become dolls, which is where their personality gets transferred onto a file. And then they upload new personalities into the person's body so that they can be escorts. And it's mm. transference of consciousness. So they start out human. They're always human. They're just getting digitally, like, uploaded different information. So not Interesting. robots. Yeah. Okay. Same with, like, Altered Carbon. Not robots. It's transference of consciousness, which is different. And something we talked about in the Malcolm episode. Hmm, cool. Yeah. We're in my wheelhouse, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So for magic and lore, because this week's episode did not feature, like, any ritual or magical practice, I kind of lean towards, like, the reality behind Ted's brainwashing tactics through his... So in the show, they come up with the chemical dimatorin, like you were describing earlier. They describe it as a drug acting as a tranquilizer, while having similar components to ecstasy, giving symptoms that make you mellow and complacent. We already said it's not a real drug. <laughs> as far as the use of... Of, I, I guess, guess brainwashing. Brainwashing isn't really, like, the right term, I feel like, for this episode, just because he's more so manipulating than he is brainwashing, but it's it kind of goes along the same channels, I think. I think with brainwashing versus manipulation, all brainwashing is really is very intense manipulation. So, like, when people join cults and shit, like, they're brainwashed, and it's through, like, very heavy manipulation tactics. So I think brainwashing is applicable. Cool. Good. So, the use of psychedelic drugs as a brainwashing technique has been seen many times throughout history. Not necessarily, like, traditionally MDMA ecstasy-related drugs, but they kind of fall in the same, like, web... Of drugs, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, uh, scientifically speaking, someone could argue that, but like, you know, sci- psychedelics, MDMA, it's like all kind of. I would say MDMA is a psychedelic for sure. Oh, it's just, yeah, I guess it's just not a hallucinogenic, is what I meant to. That's the word I'm meaning to. Oh, okay, okay. It is a psychedelic drug. Not a hallucination. One of the big examples of brainwashing being used in like real life would be the CIA which I'll mention in a little bit, but another example that I want to talk about would be the Manson family, or more specifically, Charles Manson. Manson would use LSD as a brainwashing tactic for his followers or family members. His intent was to convince his followers that he was Jesus. So, like, in a mass group setting, he would provide LSD for everybody and then dress himself up as Jesus and would stage himself on a cross while everyone was, like, in this altered state of consciousness. And by doing this, it essentially solidified the idea that Manson was this, like, above all being someone to follow and look towards for guidance. And that was how he kind of went about manipulating his followers into... Well, doing whatever he wanted, really, but... 
obviously committing murders as they did. Another big example was the CIA, which I was actually surprised by. Because when you type in into Google, like, brainwashing through drug tactics or, like, something along those lines, it just keeps popping up. CIA, CIA, CIA. So I'm like, damn, all right. Apparently, during the Cold War, the CIA had become convinced that the communists, like, I'm assuming that Russia, had discovered a drug or, like, some sort of technique to use to control the human mind. So in response, the CIA opened a secret program called MKUltra to search for ways to weaponize people. Yeah, weaponize people through mind control, yes. And they would do this through many, many experiments, but one of the main experiments that they would reproduce was high doses of LSD, along with electroshock therapy and awful, horrible things like that. A lot of the times, the people that they would perform these experiments on were unwilling participants, people from prisons and... People from... Probably, like, low SES people. It was, like, vets, too, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure. I believe... I want to say, like, the mental institutions, too, they would... Mm -hmm. That was the other one. And it would be, like, funded through universities and stuff. So they were giving money for it to fund these programs. In order to fully brainwash a person's mind, you have to go through your tactics of, like, you know, manipulation, isolation. Basically, you have to demolish the existing mind in order to replace new ideology to completely that's when they do what you want a lot of cults sans the drugs like they'll do like those tactics like they'll give you a real like a new name or like a cult member name like oh you're now strip your identity they take your identity Mm -hmm. away they make you all wear the same thing because you there's no uniqueness in you anymore you're all wearing the same thing you're all part of the same thing which i mean manson just used a shit ton of drugs i don't think they did as much of that there's also like arguments on if the family ranch was like a cult or more of like a less of a cult. I mean, I would say that after all, every family member wasn't like, yeah, let's go kill him. Like, it seemed like it was like the core group that really, really followed Manson. I, I mean, Jonestown was for sure, like, a really good example of a cult. Oh, I like, I know that, like, it's all sad, but Jonestown is fucking, like, that, like, breaks my heart. Yeah. Like, watching, like, they have film, they have footage of these, these they, women and children and people being forced to, like, And they were all, like, they were predominantly black. Because they, well, it was the country that he had created. He had moved them to that, though. But, like, he preyed upon predominantly African-American people. Was, like, a lot of his victims were black. So that, like... I don't know. It was fucked up. Yeah, yeah it's horrible. Yeah, but ultimately, it was decided that full mind control was not fully possible. Ultimately, Ted's intent was to manipulate the people around him in order to be complacent enough to get what he wanted. And in this case, that was Joyce in a bunker until her human life expired. And he did use the MDMA like drugs rather than the psychedelic hallucinogens, obviously. But I can imagine that constantly being fed dopamine would definitely make you complacent and chill with your because your, you're just content. They say it's like MDMA, but like I've done MDMA and <laughs> it did not make me complacent. It made me anxious. Like I don't understand. Like high doses, like uh, when you like take Molly to just like I'm gonna roll. And, like, yeah, go out and have fun. That yeah. it would be anxiety inducing because of the amount. I would imagine. But if you're getting fed microdoses, like now they have ketamine therapy where you're like being fed microdoses of ketamine and it like helps PTSD and depression. Yeah, so I just I would imagine that it would like make you super like no worries at all, you know, if you don't have I'm grinding my teeth and 
fighting my fucking lips. Anxious feeling. my fucking chest. Yeah. I, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I also just stand by the fact that microdosing is a buzzword. Like, everyone microdoses. Like, that's, I microdose shrooms. Like, have you microdosed? I don't know. Like, have you noticed that? Like, I know that it's, it's like, like a, a term that is kind of becoming kind of, it's a cliche, yeah, but it is a real thing, though. Yeah. I mean, because you're gonna do two grams of shrooms, you're gonna trip fucking balls. But if you are doing like a little bit of tea in the morning, like you might get the effects of like the happiness, but you're not gonna trip balls. You know? Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I like I know that literature is going this way. I'm just I definitely, definitely get what you mean. Though. It definitely seems like like, like a Portland, you know, like hipstery, like yeah. microdose man. <laughs> and now we're gonna play a little game: bite sire steak. The Buffy fuck Mary kill. Yeah. So I have Ted, Joyce, and Jenny Calendar. Mmm. All right. We're going to steak Ted. For sure. For sure. We're going to sire Jenny Calendar. We're going to bite Joyce. Okay. What's yours? Okay. So bite sire steak, Ted, Joyce, or the detective? I almost picked him, but like, I don't really remember him. So we're going to steak Ted, sire the detective, because pension, and bite Joyce. I literally knew you were going to say I don't remember what he looked like, but, but I figured we could harp on his job. <laughs> I mean, A-Cab, but he's got money, probably. After doing the guest actors, the detective is damn fine. Like, okay. He doesn't really look it in the episode, but like looking at his photos and the other things he's in, he's like ripped. Um, good for him. Yeah, good choice. Yeah. <laughs> Would you rather... So would you rather spend the next 20 years, you might have to spend 20 years in Ted's underground bunker, and he doesn't kill you. Or you find out that your new boyfriend that you're still dating has killed his last four wives. Oh, I mean, Ted can cook. I'm in the bunker. <laughs> he doesn't kill me. Like, where have you been for two and a half years? Eating good. Eating good and fat and happy in the Bates Motel. <laughs> for fucking real. Okay. Would you rather think you killed someone or get stabbed by a crossbow? Oh, shit. <laughs> you realize you didn't kill somebody. Oh. Like, how long do I think I killed them? For as long as Buffy. And, like, I'm under investigation. Yeah. Honestly, I don't trust the police in conducting their investigation properly, so I'm going to get stabbed by that crossbow. Like, like, I don't, like, it's not going to hit any organs. Yeah, I'd rather take the immediate sudden, like, ouchie than, like, the mental guilt of thinking I killed somebody yeah i'm more worried about all the court and the cost uh, and the time and the other no. i mean yeah that would suck but i, I feel like once i figured out that i didn't kill him i'd be like oh well that was a shitty like five minutes or like two like two days yeah <laughs> but then the healing process of the crossbow would be a lot more yeah but then i got a badass scar i'm still still taking the crossbow okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'd rather take the crossbow. I can't deal with, like, the mental... Ugh, nah. Yeah, so who gets your snack? Angel. Oh, Angel gets my snack. He just comes in with the wisdom. He offers Buffy a different perspective. She really needed to hear. And, like, he lets her bed, but, like, it's kind of cute and funny when he's like, all right, can we, like, stop talking about that now? <laughs> and, like, I don't know. It's also cute to see him physically vulnerable because vampire is just like you get hurt and then the next episode you're totally cool but like his hand is still healing he literally yeah. needs help okay it's cute 
Yeah. Go Angel. What about you? Jenny Callender. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I appreciated her directness with Giles and then the amount of self-reflection she had to be like, okay, I'm sorry for like, because I feel like I do think it was important that she like stated how she was feeling and why she needed this space, but then taking Giles's feelings into consideration and then helping with the vampire. Granted, she was kind of dumb in how she helped him, but I mean, she did, you know, she could have just dipped and been like, nah, I ain't doing this again. But like, I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Who gets your steak? Fucking Xander. Same. <laughs> like, we could have killed Jed, but we killed Xander. I killed Xander. Was he didn't care about Buffy's wishes? I know he was all dubbed up, but he just literally wanted the good food, like... And he was also just shutting Buffy down after she was, like... He yeah. said he was gonna slap me, like, unless she didn't specifically tell him those words, but it's still, like... What the fuck? I don't know. It was, he was a shitty friend this episode. I don't think that he was ever redeemed, either, because Cordelia was the one that found the information... About the wives. I will say he was the one who kind of riled them up to be like, okay, we got to figure out what was wrong with Ted after he thought that, like, he... Good point. It's not like he was like, Buffy, you piece of shit, you killed him. (laughs) Um, So, like, I guess he gets some sort of points for that, but I think he overstepped with the putt-putt in a way that, like, really would have set me over the edge. But, I mean, I've never had, like, a step-parent, so, like, I guess, I don't know. I also didn't take into consideration when I wrote this, your point that you brought up about Ted purposefully, like, manipulating the situation with Xander and Willow around. So, like, yes, it's Xander's fault for not being supportive of Buffy, but it also, like, he kind of just fell into being manipulated by Ted, you know, into going to mini-golf and, like, doing this out of Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, I don't know. He can still get it, because Xander sucks. Oh, and now that I said it, it kind of reminds me of earlier when they, when Xander was talking about, do you recall the conversation about, what was that fucking show, The Captain and Tanel? Yeah. Where Xander was mentioning, like, oh, she manipulated him, so it's all her fault. And and Willow goes, like, I don't think that he was the type of guy to allow himself to be manipulated. Uh, I wonder if it brought up that specific show because something happened with the couple in relation to... Ted manipulating everyone. Probably. I didn't really look into, like, the Captain and Tennille, but that would make sense. I didn't dive into any controversy. It was just, just, yeah, I just kind of was like, what is, what the hell are they even talking about? Now, ended the lesson. Next episode on The Watcher Files, we'll be discussing bad eggs. Buffy and the gang are trying their shot at parenting by caring for an egg provided by health class as their baby. Meanwhile, two Wild West vampires are after Buffy. Buffy and Angel's relationship develops a little more, and we see a little more of the odd Cordelia-Xander relationship progressing as well. And stay tuned for the trivia, bite-sized steak, and more. Check us out on Instagram at The Watcher Files Pod, Twitter at The Watcher Files, TikTok at The Watcher Files, or send us an email at The Watcher Files at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye.